Hey, it's Sarah and Kristen. Welcome back for another episode of the Into the Wee Hours podcast. We're stoked to have you here and so grateful, as always, for the time that both our guests and our listeners give to us. Before we kick off, we'd like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of this land and sea where this podcast has been recorded, the land of the Gubby Gubby people of the Sunshine Coast. We pay respect to their elders past, present, and those emerging. Just as a quick reminder, we have a Patreon account. Patreon itself allows us to continue to cover the cost for the podcast, such as monthly hosting, website, and equipment upgrades, to bring you the best sound quality possible and any guest appearances from our dogs, hence in the background. (laughs) With that in mind, every little contribution makes a huge difference to us. For just a gold coin donation each month, we would be stoked to have you on as a patron. It's pretty easy to find and sign up online at patreon.com forward slash into the wee hours podcast. Huge shout out to all of our existing patrons and just all of our listeners. Again, I know we've said it before, but really, we love you all. Support also doesn't need to be in the form of a financial contribution. If you're enjoying listening, please consider leaving a rating or a review on the platform you're listening to us on. Also, we really love seeing our listeners either reach out to or tagging our guests in their Instagram stories. So if you've particularly loved an episode, please do repost, tag, and let us know why you loved listening. Thank you to everyone who's either left a rating, it looks like we're at five stars on Apple, which is awesome, or left a review or tagged us on socials. We appreciate you. All right, so we are so stoked to bring you this fun, laughter-filled, and super open conversation with a fellow Southeast Queensland-based trail runner, Gemma Perandere. Gemma leaves in a week's time to head to Europe to race in a huge international race, Ultra Trail Mont Blanc's CCC. If you're not familiar with the race, it's a 100 kilometers tough mountain run with over 6,000 meters of vert. As you'll learn, Gemma is one busy lady. Not only is she training for this huge race, she also works full-time as an environmental scientist on the Gold Coast and is studying international law while also working on a PhD. While the conversation is centered around trail running and CCC, Gemma also shares openly with us about her experiences with endometriosis and fatigue, witnessing the growth of trail running in Australia over the past 10 years, and what it means to be a woman in sports and science. We just know you're going to love this one. Thanks again, Gemma, for sharing your time with us. We could have spoken to you for hours. You know we'll be cheering you on at CCC, and we'll no doubt have you back on the podcast to get your post-race wrap-up. All right, enough from us. Let's get into it. Cue the music with Kristen. Welcome to episode 31 of the Into the Wee Hours podcast. My name is Sarah Pendergrass and I am joined as ever by my vibrant co-host, Kristen Vorton. Hello! <laughs> we are, that was a lovely vibrant hello. Yeah, well, I had to match it somehow. <laughs> we are also joined virtually by Gemma Perandere. 
welcome. Hello. It's so lovely Thank to you. have you Thanks here. Thanks for having me. No, thank well you so done much. on the name as well. <laughs> yeah, I'm, that's great. I'm, I'm, I'm a bit disappointed that you didn't mess it up actually because it's fun when. when that. <laughs> okay, we did just to disclose because if you um, go back to episode thirty, the previous episode that we recorded, Megan mentions Gemma in there, and she did a great job of your surname, didn't she? <laughs> what did she actually say? <laughs> I think she said something along the lines of Paranda, Randa, Randa, Randa. <laughs> <laughs> Which I, I thought was great. And I think that's what I'm going to just go with from, from now on. <laughs> we love you, Brandy. <laughs> it was like she'd copied and pasted the middle of your name just a few times. <laughs> just, just to really get in there. <laughs> anyway, thank you so oh, much for joining us, Gemma. It's, we haven't met in person yet, but we have chatted over um, Instagram. So I'm excited to speak to you as close to as in person as we can get at the moment. Yeah. To warm up, we're going to kick off with our quick fire questions. And I'm going to dive right in with the old classic pineapple on pizza. Hell's yeah or hell's no. Do you know, I'm a fence sitter with this one. (laughs) I'm a bit Switzerland. Yeah. Um, I like pineapple and I don't, I, yeah, I don't mind it on pizza, but if I was to decide whether or not it was going on pizza, I probably wouldn't put it on. But if it's there, I don't mind it. So at a party, <laughs> really the only kind of thing answer. there is Hawaiian pizza. You're eating the Hawaiian pizza. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But then yeah. I'll eat it. I'll pretty much eat anything. To <laughs> <laughs> uh, woman of my own heart. <laughs> All right. Well, we've got yeah. like a Switzerland camp kind of forming yeah, we as well. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I think we're probably up to like three or four on the fencers, as you called yourself. So we'll let it slide now. There's enough of you guys that, uh, <laughs> it's becoming its own subcategory. <laughs> All right. So Gemma, if you could write anything on a billboard for everyone to see every day, could be like an inspirational quote, for example. Um, what would it be if they had to see it for the rest of their lives? Oh, <laughs> if I say what first came into my head, yep. <laughs> um, don't be a dick. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Moose. <Mercer. laughs> I, I mean, like, you know, you can, <laughs> you can say be kind, <laughs> but I mean, it's, you know, it's actually just better not to be a dick in the first place. <laughs> yeah, I like it. I like it. Very good. <laughs> Moose um, concurs as well. Moose is backing that too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) He'll settle down in a second. (laughs) I love how that came to you as well and you paused, like your face visually was like, oh, do I say this? (laughs) Well done. It's a great thing that people should just do every day. It's just don't be a dick. (laughs) Yeah, I think it's quite straightforward too. (laughs) It is. I really appreciate that. Sarah will have something different to say, but (laughs) you'd be like, I don't know. Have you answered this question? Actually, we haven't. Usually, I, usually we'll ask the questions for each other first as well. I don't know. I think mine would be some, something simple about taking a breath or I don't know. Yeah, that's I like to brush think. your teeth. I thought that was a good one too. Whoever oh, came yeah. up with that. Apparently there's a study, this is a whole tangent, that oral health now is related to better performance. In what? In what? Arena? I don't know. I didn't read the entire paper. How? I just saw the. <laughs> you're, you're telling a scientist here. She's like, "Excuse me, where are your sources?" <laughs> I have none. It was on a podcast. 
but they referenced a scientific article and I looked it up. I'm like, oh, it's there. I just didn't read it. Better dental performance? What are we talking about? Better hygiene. Better dental hygiene is related to better um, athletic performance. Maybe it's to do with people who can. I wonder if it's a confidence. Yeah, or a confidence. Maybe yeah, discipline and and yeah, confidence. I think having confidence in yourself. Like (laughs) if you're always like hiding your teeth because you've got horrible teeth, and maybe you're not confident enough to. I know. See, I went down the bacteria route. This is a whole thing. We can talk about that later. (laughs) (laughs) Like less bacteria, more performance. Anyways, you're up next. What a tangent. <laughs> it's been a really long week. <laughs> There's a bit of a hectic vibe going on this evening. Um, okay, Whew, center. So can you tell us about one bucket list, either race or adventure? Um, one that I've already done or one that's already there, like that's oh, still there to be way. done? Either way. Oh. Um, I think one that I've done would have been um, – the, the year before COVID, the BC, <laughs> I um, I went to Belize and I went diving in the Blue Hole, the, which is like, I don't know, if people have never heard of it, then they should Google it. <laughs> it's quite hard to explain. It's basically like this massive hole in the ocean just off the coast of Belize. There's quite a few of them on that um, Atlantic coastline, like Caribbean coastline. Um, and... They, it's just, um, you know, they, they, the, the, the ocean floor is maybe like 30 metres and then there's suddenly this massive hole that goes to like 400 metres and you can dive. And obviously like the safe diving limit, the safe diving limits. And so I went I went down to 40 metres, but wow, it's just this really deep. insane experience. Yeah, yeah, it was really just the deepest dive I've ever done. So, um, but yeah, that was one of those bucket list things that I did um, just before covid <laughs> killed international travel amazing yeah that's quite yeah that was pretty cool incredible yeah Yeah. that's a cool thing to do i've I've actually never heard of it so i'll have to look it up as well to google it yeah yeah the the photos kind of like on yeah the photos on the internet make make it uh, like a lot more sense than the way i've just described it but yeah so definitely look it up cool pretty cool yeah i like that a lot um now you're obviously a very experienced and well-traveled trail runner. What is your favorite trail you've ever run? And this is worldwide. Oh, gosh. Um that's a really hard one. Um I love trail running in New Zealand. Um I think mostly because it's so hard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um and and it's so technical and just like nothing we've got here in Australia and um, it makes you very humble (laughs) when you start trying to run those trails over there. Um, Yeah, so I'd say probably um, New Zealand trails in general. Um, Chris and I were obviously in the US earlier this year and we um, went um, to Bryce Canyon in Utah and did some running there and that was pretty great. We really loved running those trails. So I think, yeah, the trails in Bryce Canyon would be another element on the list. Awesome. Nice. And we will come on to find out a little bit more about that trip as well. All right. The final one is a bit left field, but however. So I know you and I share a deep love for the old school Encyclopedia Britannica. (laughs) (laughs) If you could only keep one volume, 
bearing in mind they're done by alphabet and I don't know the A to C whatever it is but let's pick a letter mm. which volume would you pick oh that is a really good one <laughs> um <laughs> I, I think M <laughs> would be because like there's a lot of M words <laughs> lots of variety I think in M I don't know Love them. I don't know if there actually is, but I think they would be. Yeah, I feel like M is a pretty good one. Yeah. It's like a Yeah. I'd be yeah, tempted. I think M. I think M's a good call as well. I would be tempted and it's just something I we had a conversation over Instagram about this the other day. I'd be tempted to keep C because I have a memory and it could be completely wrong, but I have a memory and I think I refer to it as calculator, but I think it was computer. And the entry for computer, bearing in mind you know, you think now of the volume of information you have about every word. It's just, you know, like two paragraphs. And it, I just seem to remember a picture. It was basically like a computer that was the size of a basement that's, you know, stored underneath a building that was like the computer for the whole thing. So I think I would keep that just because it's just such a, like, shows how technology has progressed so much in actually such a short space of time. There yeah. you go. That's, that's a good one. Good one. We made it through the quick fire questions. They're never quick fire. <laughs> Especially not with your tangents about Sorry, bacteria and teeth. <laughs> we'll definitely stay on, on uh, path a little bit more. So um, I assume that you've probably listened to some of the podcasts. If you're a new listener here, generally our little format that we do is we open up the floor to our um, guest to kind of give a bit of an origin story. You know, who is Gemma Perrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrr
well, the climate, which hasn't been so great lately, <laughs> but it's normally really good. Um, and just the outdoors lifestyle here. Um, I didn't stay, though. I ended up um, getting a job in the Maldives. Um, I actually, even though I finished my landscape architecture degree, I knew I wanted to actually do environmental science. And it's just, I just didn't have anybody at the time when I was deciding what I was going to do with my life who could tell me that environmental science was a thing. So, um, and I think that's just... I went, yeah, like I said, I went to a school where you either become a doctor or a lawyer yeah, or an economist yeah, or, yeah. yep, one of those mm-hmm. schools and I was not going to do any of those things. Um, so um, I actually got a job in the Maldives working as an environmental scientist um, for an NGO and that kind of cemented my, my love for it. So I went back, um, did a master's in Edinburgh um, and then did another master's um, in um, uh, coastal marine science after that um, and ended up moving to Abu Dhabi where I lived for about three and a half years, um, which was not intentional. It's just kind of how life panned out. Um, And then um, in 2011, I kind of got sick of being an expat and living in the Middle East and having to compromise on some of my morals a little bit mm. and moved back to Brisbane and have been here ever since. And, yeah, um, I don't think I'll probably leave, to be honest. I mean, maybe, like, temporarily for for a year or two, we, we would quite like to um, spend some time overseas again because both Chris and I really enjoy travelling. But, um, yeah, I think that's this is us here in southeast Queensland. We're pretty happy. And so tell us yeah. where you're based now and what you're doing. So um, we moved up to Springbrook, right up the top of the mountain in March this year from Brisbane. Uh, having spent 10 years in Brisbane, it was um, time for a sea change and I've always wanted to move back into a slightly more um, rural kind of area and we kind of hadn't really planned to move to Springbrook but that's just how it happened and we bought a house up here and yeah we've um, been up here since the beginning of the year and um, I work on the Gold Coast and I have done for the last sort of five and a half years um, at the in, in local government kind of in the water and waste um, utility of the Gold Coast and um, I'm one of the sort of lead environmental scientists working with yeah water and as my friends like to laugh, I work with poo. <laughs> um, <laughs> I actually don't really do a lot with poo. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I pretty much do all of, like, the environmental impact assessments and um, um, make sure that we're sort of meeting and, um, our commitments under the law and that kind of stuff when it comes to the environment. Yeah, that's what yeah. I do up here. And that's super cool. Yeah, yeah. That's, that is really cool. And it, you've, certainly it's been fun following your journey moving to Springbrook, which if you're not familiar with it, is considerably more rural than Brisbane. And yeah, even as we logged on, Gemma was like, it's raining, so the internet might not be very good. So yeah, just a, a bit of a, a tree change in that sense. And then you've obviously spent um, a considerable time studying with your various degrees. You're still studying at the moment. Is that fair to say? <laughs> yeah, no. I'm the worst. <laughs> yeah, I can't stop. It's. I think it's a problem. <laughs> so I'm. I'm. I'm trying to finish my PhD, my doctorate, um, 
which is actually going a lot better than it has been um, recently. So, so that's good. So that's, I'm due to finish that next year. So I'm working pretty hard on trying to get that done. It's, it's difficult with, um, yeah, with a full-time job. I work full-time for council. So um, I just fit, it, fit things in here, there and everywhere whenever I can go into the lab and do some stuff or, yeah, finally finish my field work at least so I don't have to spend big days just freezing, freezing myself on the boat with my hands in the water anymore. So that's good at least. So, yeah. And I'm also... Um, for some unknown reason, decided that I would study international law at the same time. <laughs> so um, I'm also, just, oh, uh, yeah, goodness. it's real. It's I, like I said, it's a problem. <laughs> what, are you, what are you doing? <laughs> environmental, um, environmental science. Yeah. yeah. So kind of, um, <laughs> I think this is probably where everyone's going to switch off the podcast. So I won't go into too much detail. <laughs> but I'm pretty much look. I'm basically looking at. Um, what climate change is doing to to river estuaries? So I've I, I've done a, a big sort of um, sediment river sediment collection campaign um, before we had all of those crazy floods in mm. in March and then after, and I'm comparing the data to see kind of what happened to the to the rivers and the estuaries on the Gold Coast when all of those floodwaters went through and what that actually means in terms of habitats and yeah, how we can use those areas yeah is that just coincidental sounds that interesting happened that that environmental yeah actually that was not what my original research okay. was yeah <laughs> so I, um i actually had done all of my like half of my field work or probably three quarters of my field work before the floods mm. and then the floods just came and ruined <laughs> my data so i pivoted <laughs> and now i'm doing it on the floods so that's okay. i mean it's good because it's interesting and you can never predict you can't base a research project around a natural disaster um but it was quite stressful at the time yeah I can when imagine. that happened and also you say people are going to turn off they're not this is all part of who you are and I think also this will importantly lead into context because you've mentioned how you have a full-time job how you're finishing your PhD how you're studying international law oh and also how you train for ultras so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> let's let's chat a little bit about the running side of things you mentioned you weren't super sporty at school I mean lacrosse was my favorite sport so we'll, we can have words oh. about that after <laughs> I thought that you guys would have already discussed that by now <laughs> but no, yeah. we haven't covered this yeah lacrosse was my thing so there you go Ah, okay, mm. cool. But yeah, Good how did know. how did you get into running? I think um I did ask Brownie for some notes and she I think it was from her she said you've been running ultras for about ten years. Is that fair to say? Yeah, she, yeah, she's yeah, she's right. She, she I, yeah, she knows me pretty well actually, that which is which is good. She does listen as well when I talk about my PhD. <laughs> That's right, because she river sediments, so I was like, oh, how she did, yeah. No, she was she was yeah, she was bang on actually. Um yeah, so I, I mean, I always sort of did some running. Um, I played netball pretty much the whole way through until I was about 26, and then my knees and ankles decided that that was probably the end of my <laughs> my netball career. Um, so I was always running as part of netball, but I always used to run on a treadmill. Um, I never really did like I never went for a run, you know, like as a thing of enjoyment um, until. Um, Probably until I moved back to Australia, yeah. So in 20, 
11, 2012, when I moved back here, um, I started uh, I started doing more running just as a way to meet people because um, all the friends that I'd had when I'd lived here before had all moved away and um, I needed to meet people that weren't just the people I worked with. And I started doing triathlons and I um, was, was not very good <laughs> at putting it all together, but I really enjoyed it and I enjoyed the... Um, like it was, it felt like more of a group sport. Um, you know, it, kind of like netball was fun, but I never really got to know the people that I was playing netball with. Whereas, like, I joined a triathlon club in Brisbane um, shortly after I moved back, and everyone was so friendly and welcoming. And I went to all the different, um, you know, group training runs and bike rides and things, and was doing that for for quite a long time. And I slowly realized I wasn't very fast and I was probably never going to be really fast. I mean, I'm only, like, only five foot two. <laughs> so, I don't have height and long legs on my side. Mm. So I'm never going to be like super, super speedy, but um, I could just run all day or I could cycle all day. Um, as long as there was enough food going in, I could just keep going. So my endurance was something that I obviously always had and probably because I, just do too many things in my life in general I've probably built up some sort of endurance from studying and and just generally traveling and stuff but um and I got into the long distance triathlons and um I did an Ironman in 2016 which was um which I really enjoyed actually um, surprisingly um I did Paul Macquarie yeah so Ironman Australia so which was an incredible experience and um and I know that those big events, like, they're quite polarizing for some people. Like, some people really love the local events, which I do too. Um, but I think when you experience an event like an Ironman event and that finish line and just kind of, you know, there's people there all day, all night cheering, it, you know, that's such an incredible experience. It made me feel like I was invincible and that's one of the reasons I just kept wanting to do it. Um and when I was training, like, it, but I, when I was training, I was just getting longer and longer in my runs. And um, after I did that Ironman, I just decided that I didn't really want to, like, cycling in Brisbane kind of killed cycling for me. It's really not very enjoyable riding a bike in Brisbane City, mm-hmm. um, unless you're sticking to the river trails. Um, riding on the road in Australia in general is quite a frightening experience. And so... Um, and I just enjoyed running and I had joined a newly formed running group. So some friends of mine had started up the Mountain Goat Trail Runners and, um, and had asked if I'd like to, to be part of the inaugural group as once it formed properly. And so I joined that and yeah, I just sort of started running more and more, um, 50 Ks and, um, we were doing 50 Ks as fun runs on the weekends, which is just you know, ridiculous, really. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it, it, it is, really, totally when you think it. about it. And were you, were you trail running fun? as part of your triathlon training then? Yeah. As, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I had I had a really great coach, actually, who really encouraged trail running. As, uh, like, even though I was doing, obviously, road running and triathlons, mm-hmm. he really encouraged trail running um, just because of the fact it was a lot lower impact. Yeah. And because I was still recovering from lots of years of netball and my – was you know had like shin splints from time to time it just was he just pushed for me to run more on the trail 
Um, and I just love running on trails. I mean, you know, I'm an environmental scientist. I love nature. I love the environment. Um, and if I had to choose between trail and road, it would always be trail for sure. Um, yeah. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, it's uh, funny because a lot of people are there. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's a really um, like relatable experience. You get into kind of the Ironman type feel, whether you get into Ironmans or just triathlon in general. I think that's kind of like that first little thing because it's got so much exposure. There's probably one or two of the events that you're like decent at. And so it's kind of that like it's a pretty easy like barrier of entry of getting into it because you probably you've probably done one of the things and then there's such a community around it but I found it interesting that you actually found more community in the triathlon group which is again a solo sport versus being in your netball group that you're like oh I would just come and play netball and then we'd go home so I think that's kind of a testament to the endurance um, community as a whole as well that they were so welcoming and then of course I'm sure that you found even more so in the trail community too yeah Oh, yeah. The trail community is amazing. I mean, like, you know, obviously I've been in the trail community for, for quite a long time now um, and, um, and I've seen how it's changed over particularly the last, I'd say, three three or four years as, as a lot lot more people have come into trail running. From and, triathlon. You know, before. <laughs> um, from triathlon, yeah. but also just generally from roads too. Like, yeah. um, it's like really interesting when you go to some really of the different. shorter. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think when you go to some of the shorter events like the South East Queensland Trail Running Series, you get so many roadrunners coming to try out um, trail running. And, you know, it's not for everybody. Like, it's it's hard <laughs> sometimes and it's, you know, it's not like you're just consistently running at the same pace and the same cadence all the time. So I think some people don't really in, enjoy, enjoy that aspect of it. But, um, yeah, I think... Like, just the last few years, I can't believe how much the sport's grown. It's just been crazy. And the community is so, like, it's still so close-knit, um, I find. So, like, I, I I, kind of, I don't feel like I know as many people as I used to just because there's so many more new people in the community. But I can still just rock up to any event and know half the people there. <laughs> so it's still, like... But just one of those, yeah, it's kind of like living in Springbrook, really, you know. You can't fart with some, somebody knowing that you farted. <laughs> yeah. It'll be in Springbrook Voices before you know it. <laughs> oh, yes, there we go. We could, we could hit it big time here. <laughs> and for context, so when you started running with um, the Mountain Goats, how many people were involved versus now? Because I know it's a huge group. Oh, it's a huge yeah. Now, yeah. Well, I think oh, without listing the names of the people who started it, I think it was seven seven people who started wow. it in the first place. Yeah. Um, I, I think off the, off the top of my head, and um, pretty much all of those had come from triathlon or um, or were, were related to triathlon somehow, and we were all in the same triathlon club, so we knew each other, and we were fr- really good friends through through that triathlon club, and then. Um, those a few of those people um, had sort of broken away and decided that they wanted to focus on trail running and then eventually, yeah, created the club. And I think now, I don't know how many people are in the Grant Goats. Um, I think membership-wise, it's maybe like around 200 people or 175. Yeah, I mean, like 
I got photographs of like photos on my phone from. So they run on a Wednesday night at Mancutha, and um, back in the day, right at the beginning of the of the, the um of the group starting up, we used to just use a selfie stick to take the group photo at the end of the run because there was only like you know, I don't know, ten of us maybe if that. Um, and um, and now it's just so big, and like I I I wouldn't know half the people if I I never show up for a run anymore. I'm pretty. I'm pretty Obviously, I live in Springbrook, so that's going to help. But I'm not very good at running at night time. I'd like to go to bed early, a bit of a nana. So. Hey, you there as well. Speaking to yeah. the choir. <laughs> yeah, I am a fan of an early night. <laughs> so so uh, an evening trail run doesn't really fit with my snoozing schedule anymore. Um but uh, yeah, I wouldn't know. I wouldn't know half the people in the group anymore. But I think that's that's good in a way. Like mm. it just shows that there's so many people who are who are who are getting out there and giving it a go. Yeah, I think like so long as people are respecting the trails and the environment that they're in, you know, fantastic to have them out there because they get to share that incredible environment as well. Which is so much of the reason I love trail running too, um, for sure. And you have yeah. done quite a lot. Like it's been a like 10 years you've done obviously quite a lot but you've got something really exciting coming up yeah so talk about oh, yeah. the uh, most recent <laughs> in the horizon what is it yeah i'm yeah. so excited oh, God. yeah so i'm going over actually this time next week Whoa. <laughs> um we're flying to to geneva and we're going to chamonix and i'm running ccc which is part of the the ultra trail mont blanc week-long festival of crazy mountain running so i'm so excited it's been a, yeah, it's been a goal of mine for, say, around five years to do CCC. I set, I'm a big goal setter in all aspects of my life. I have lists. I'm a big list writer. <laughs> One of those people with notebooks everywhere. And, um, and I wrote some goals about five years ago for running. And um, the top of that list was the, the big, hairy, audacious goal was to qualify for CCC and then wow. go and do it. So, Here yeah, I can't are. believe it's, like, Amazing. finally happening. That's so good. Yeah. Now, yeah. we always have to kind of preface it as well. We do get some, like, a lot of runners on the podcast, but we also get a lot of non-runners who listen to the podcast. So just give a brief description of – Oh, it's going to take forever. <laughs> Maybe a little bit of CCC, <laughs> a little bit of UTMB, just so that they all tie together so we know the context as well. Yeah, so UTMB is Ultra Trail Mont Blanc, and basically the it, it's become a week a week long festival of, of of running events. The main the main running event is at the 170 kilometer run around Mont Blanc itself. It follows the Trail de Mont Blanc that goes around, so you pretty much start in Chamonix in France and you run through um, Italy and then into Switzerland and then back around the other side of Mont Blanc into back into Chamonix and that's the UTMB 100 mile race um, and then there's also a number of other races so there's a 135 kilometer race that's called TDS um, and then CCC which is a, about 100 I think it's 101 kilometers or 100 kilometers thereabouts um, and then there's a few other smaller races. I think uh, 50k. Um, there's 15k, which is new this year. And then there's some ch some kids races too. So, um, and then there's this like crazy, like multi-day, <laughs> ridiculous race that is that uh, like takes a whole week or something to do. That's like oh, 400 yeah. kilometers. It's not the Tour de Jean. Yeah, it's no. something different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's 
P is it P P T PTSD. Yeah, I can't remember. It does do that. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, CCC is the 100k part of the um of the of the series of the of the week of at UTMB, and I guess the thing with the UTMB races, particularly UTMB, the miler and CCC is how hard and convoluted and ridiculous it is to get into the race. Um, they've just changed the process as of for next year onwards. So I'm actually really excited that I got in this year and I don't have to to try and work out what I've got to do if I wanted to do it again. Um, but, yeah, you have to had to run a certain number of qualifying events which got you a certain number of points. So you had so like for example, um, Blackall one hundred was um, uh, six six points or five points, and um, and then I think um, the I'm trying to think of which else oh, I did Old Ghost as well, Old Ghost Ultra in New Zealand, and that was I think four points or something like that. And so you had to get, have a certain number of points to qualify to actually do the run. And then once you qualify, um, you go into a lottery and then there's a lottery system. And that lottery is actually really um, important because they've pretty much worked out the carrying capacity of the trails over there and they've got a certain number of people that they will allow um, on certain days. So the, the races are actually on different days to each other. So UTMB is on a different starts on a different day to CCC, which is on a different day to ETC, which is 15K. Um, and so they limit the number of people who can actually, um, who can start the race, um, which is still a huge number of people. It's mm. like, a, it's a massive, massive event. There'll be, I think at least a thousand people on the start line of CCC alone. So, um, it's a huge, a huge event, very difficult to get into and yeah, it takes quite a lot of effort. So you really have to plan it out. It's kind of the same as, um, you know, trying to get into a race like Western States, you have to kind of look at at the race in advance and kind of go, okay, what events do I have to complete to be able to qualify? And then how long is the lottery going to take? I mean, you never really know, you know. So, um, and, and you have to qualify every year to go into the lottery every year. So it's not like you can just run your qualifying events, go in the lottery and then just keep rolling it over until you get a spot. You have to keep qualifying. So so it's been a big journey yeah. <laughs> for me to so, keep qualifying and, and make sure that I've got the, the, the points and, yeah. How many yeah. times – sorry, Kristen. How many times did you go in the lottery then before you were successful? Yeah. <laughs> Actually – now this is and this is really scary. I actually only went in once, and 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 I got, and I got in first time, which is which is shocking, um, because the same thing actually happened to me for six foot track marathon, which was supposed to happen in March but got cancelled oh, because yeah. of the the flooding, um, in New South Wales. That's in the Blue Mountains. It's a forty five. It's not a marathon. It's a trail marathon, which is like not really distance a rough a rough measure uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> approximate marathon it's for a 45k um trail run in the blue mountains and is quite notoriously difficult and difficult to get into as well because of again limited number of space spots and um and i threw my hat in the ring because i knew if i didn't get in this year i would get in next year and i got in straight away <laughs> I was just like oh god i don't know if i'm ready <laughs> 
um, but and it was it was actually cancelled this year. So um, so I still have a spot, but I have to qualify again. So yeah. Um, and then, um, and then I actually about three weeks later got into CCC first time. Um, it's kind of silly, really, because I had qualified for a few years in a row, but hadn't put my name into the lottery because I didn't think I was good enough to do it. And this is something actually that's really close to my heart. It really annoys me that I did this to myself because I'm a, such a strong advocate for women not doing this to themselves, yeah, and then I did. Yeah, yeah. Um, so um, I think um, Brownie mentioned it on the first podcast that she did. So she, um, so she did a, um, uh, so sorry, sorry, Chris is just pulling face. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god so Gemma's partner Chris has come home we can't actually see him but we can see she's visibly distracted Such an <laughs> idiot. Faces. we were in like a Sorry, really like I'm important conversation yeah. here at this time I, I know and he knows I'm doing this too anyway um so so Brownie um started up um she runs the Queensland um, Trail Queen's Instagram page and as part of that um, um, a few of us sort of started up a, a um, ladies of the trail running group for, for women to kind of have a safe space, a comfortable space to, to meet other, other women who are trail running and um, then um, be able to actually kind of find places and people that they could comfortably run with because, you know, women and men are different and we run for different reasons and at different paces sometimes and we have different issues that we sometimes need to be able to talk to somebody else about and that was kind of the whole, like, motivation behind it. So um, the thing is, is that one of the things that I find really upsetting about the lack of um, women participate, female participation in ultra and there's a lot of research done, a lot of studies and lots of data that shows that, so for CCC, um, in 2019, only 11% of the fi- of the finishes were female, which is pretty bad. Mm. Um, Australia, I think, actually does a better job generally mm. um, at, at making it a more comfortable and inclusive environment. Um, so I think the Guzzler... I'm going to get this number wrong, but it was somewhere around 35 to 40%, I think, um, of the starters for the Guzzler 100 were females. So I think like, there's definitely a bit more um, confidence in Australia, in women in Australia to participate in those sorts of events. But yeah, I think it's quite a lot of it is because we never... hear from what I've heard, and yeah. like, even in America, it's like yeah. around 20% or yeah. something. So I think Europe is the worst america gets a little bit better and then yeah australia is actually quite strong but then the numbers get different and this is across the board as well depending on how far the the distance is yep and how strict the cutoff times are yeah so it's all exactly yeah Yeah. exactly and i think that's the thing i mean you know half the half the problem and, and this also goes to you know women in science which is obviously something i'm very passionate about too as a scientist myself is that it's kind of a well-known fact that 
men will apply for a job that they think they can do, whereas women will apply for a job that they know that they can do. And that's a very big generalisation. But I think the same thing applies to, to sport and to ultra. So women will only enter a race that they feel confident that they can finish and they can finish to the best of their abilities, where I think men are, have a little bit more bravado and more tendency to kind of go, oh, yeah, I'll be able to do it, no worries, you know, you know. I can just train and it will be fine. Whereas women don't have that kind of bravado, that kind of, you know, confidence to say, I'm just going to sign up and see what happens. And um, and I like to think that I do have that, like that I will put myself out there and I will make things, you know, make things happen because, I, you know, I've earned them rather than, um, you know, not doing things because they're scary. That's not really my my nature. But it's interesting because I didn't enter CCC for a few years because I just didn't think I was I was good enough to do it. And I and I had sort of told myself that I needed to. So there's a international the International Trail Running Association. Um, they kind of so any race that you do that's recognised by the International Trail Running Association has points associated to it, or like an athlete score. And if you go, you probably, a lot of people probably don't even know that this exists, but if you actually go onto the, the, it, the ITRA page and you log in and you create an account and you log into your account, your race results for races like Blackhall and UTA and the Guzzler and all those sorts of races will be up there. And you'll have a, what they call a ranking and that athlete ranking is based on where you came in the field um, in that race. So the time that you finish, but also kind of whether you were, you know, 30th out of 200 or if you were 195th out of 200, and you get a ranking based on that. And my athlete ranking was okay. And I had told myself that I wasn't going to enter CCC until I felt that it was good enough to be able to get into CCC. Mm. which basically just meant that I just kept doing races that qualified me for CCC until I felt that my ranking was high enough. And then for whatever reason, I just one day looked on on my UTA, on my UTMB account. So I had created the account a few years ago because obviously I had intended to do the race at some point. And I actually saw that the races I had done had already qualified me. And... I never really looked at it from that perspective and I was like, no, bugger it, I'll just enter and see what happens. And then, yeah, we were sitting watching TV one one evening and I got the email through saying, congratulations, you're, you know, you've know, you been successful in the lottery. And I literally just dropped my phone and was like, uh, <laughs> going to Europe. Europe. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to so find some cash. <laughs> we're going to go to Europe in August. <laughs> But that's a lot so, to unpack yeah. there because there's also stuff that went on even behind further in the past before all of that too. Um, I was reading one of your Instagram posts when you had kind of like talked about, you know, getting into CCC and stuff. And upon further investigation, you kind of think that you might have overtrained a little bit, got into kind of that. Yeah. Yeah. So like I'm sure that that probably weighed in on your not wanting to – commit to put I, I, I'm putting words in your mouth but there's a lot of, it seems like no, there's no, also a lot no, of other stuff that's going on as well which is amazing because even now you have the foresight going why don't I just put my head you know my hat in the ring <laughs> it's amazing yeah 
Yeah, do you know, there's never a good time to do these things. It's mm. like, you know, buying a house or having kids or, you know, there's never going to be a good time to do it. So you just need to kind of just get on and do it. Um, I um, At the beginning of last year, I was probably running the best I've ever been running. I, I had some really good results in some races that I had done. Um, I had just done a new 5K PB, which is pretty huge for me because I suck over the 5K distance. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I just it's not my distance and so I was like I was really running well and um and I wasn't following a program at that time I didn't have a coach and I was just kind of like basing things off of off how I felt and the fact that I knew that I had a lot of experience in running and training and and um thought I had it worked out and could probably just sort of um do it myself and I entered UTA 100 um in 2020 actually and it got rolled over to 2021 and um i sort of rolled up to the start line of uta just feeling rubbish was really tired um i just didn't feel like myself and i didn't feel 100 percent and um i actually at the beginning of the year had, of, of last year had an um, endometriosis diagnosis finally which had taken like 15 years or something ridiculous to get um and um was going to be going in for surgery after uta so i think that was also playing on my mind a little bit and you know like endometriosis impacts everybody differently um but for me it, the worst part of it was was fatigue and i really just was struggling with fatigue um and i actually ended up dnfing at uta and it was my first dnf and it felt awful but at the same time it was the right thing to do at that time. And I just, I, I just had no business being out there that day. I just needed to not be there. My head wasn't in it. Physically wasn't there. I just, yeah, I just made the right call by not doing, by not finishing the race. Um, and then I went in and had the endometriosis surgery. So the laparoscopy and I was actually ended up being in hospital for quite a bit longer than um, we'd originally planned. Cause it was a lot more severe than, I think anybody thought it was going to be and then um it took me ages to recover and i still still struggled so the beginning of this year was really hard i was really struggling with fatigue um and i was sort of going to the doctor and we were looking at my iron levels and they were fine um so we were doing by vitamin b12 injections every week and that was helping but it was just i just felt so crap um and i just um, it, actually having six foot track marathon cancelled was a bit of a blessing because I just then kind of just let everything go and just focused on just sorting myself out and I pulled my training right back I was only really running maybe 20 to 30 k's a week at the most and was really focusing on just trying to to feel better um, and then was probably sort of the beginning of April so I, I actually then I got COVID so I couldn't do anything anyway but then I started training for, for CCC after that and I got a coach and, you know actually plan and decided not to try and do it myself anymore I was like mm, I don't think I can do CCC alone mm. <laughs> um, and and then I was actually listening to a few podcasts and have been doing a bit of reading. I've been reading a lot of, you know, um, Stacey Sims, who's written a lot about female um, health in in sport and particularly endurance sport and um, was learning a lot more about relative energy deficiency in sport or RED-S. 
and it really occurred to me that I think that's actually what I had done. <laughs> like, it wasn't necessarily like overtraining syndrome. I don't think I was. I had overtrained. I just think I hadn't fueled properly, and I'm one of those people that's never satisfied with my weight or my. Uh, you know, I'm always could be could lose a bit of weight but I love corn chips, you know, could lose a bit of weight, but I want to have a beer, you know, so, so yeah. I'm always, yeah, so I'm always kind of going, oh, look, I just, I just won't, I just won't eat, you know, breakfast this morning and I'll go for a run and I'll be, and then I'll eat when I get back. And in, I mean, I eat a lot. I definitely don't have a problem with anything, but, um, but in hindsight, I wasn't eating the right things Indeed, at the right times. Volume, I wasn't yeah. fueling properly. Mm. Yeah, exactly. It's not just volume. I mean, I can eat a whole bag of corn chips, but that's not going to help me run it. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> I, mean, I don't know. I, I mean, know. Mean, corn chips are yeah, pretty, pretty good. good. Yeah. I mean, you get a bit of salt, <laughs> a little bit I mean, of salt, salt there's carbs. Living <laughs> <laughs> <Living> protein, but... <laughs> Maybe like some melted yeah. cheese on there, and then you're yeah. sort of yeah, yeah, yeah. Or you could just have like some some yogurt dip or something. It's actually true. Yeah, Stacey yeah. Sims, her yeah. book is Roar. Is yes. that fair to say? I would definitely yeah. recommend that Roar. as a read if you haven't come across it. Yeah. Any yeah, yeah, and any podcast with her, like she's amazing. Just, yeah, yeah. She really highlights yeah. how yeah. so much of science around sport nutrition has been done on men and like. College-aged athletes, yeah. Such a small (laughs) demographic, yeah. And we are not small men, as she says, so, yeah. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I mean, you know, men can experience Red S too. Um, And and I think it's kind of one of those things where you – you really just have to think about what you're putting in because if if you're not putting enough in, you're not going to be able to perform and that's just how it is. And, you know, you can eat, like – all of the foods but if it's not the right foods and you're not and it's not like energy dense and actually giving you the supply of energy that you need at the right time then you know you can pretty much run yourself into the ground and i think that's what i did yeah. so yeah. um i'm definitely feeling a lot better now like i still have have to manage my fatigue and it and, it, and it's difficult especially in training for something like ccc where i feel like i should be just running <laughs> you know mm-hmm. like my program is five is five days a week of running and two days of cross training and strength, and I, my poor coach, <laughs> but I I don't ma- always manage to do all five days of running, and a lot of that comes. Um, I usually would get four days in as a minimum, but uh, it often just comes down to the fact that I'm just too tired. Sometimes some days I just I'm so tired. I wake up and I I know that I just need more sleep and then I have a job and so I can't run during the day necessarily and so you know and then come the evening I'm usually pretty exhausted from work because I I don't do a physical job but I use my brain and that's a whole different type of thing. Yeah. <laughs> and um. And I think that like that's the most important thing is yeah the fatigue isn't just from your running like you are and this is what the whole podcast is about like the everyday in inverted commas adventure or athlete like you have a very very full life by the sounds of it in addition to your training so managing all of that is just huge right and for context for people who aren't familiar with um UTMB CCC this is proper mountain running. This is not just like a little trot around a flat trail. How much elevation gain is there in the 100Ks of CCC? Um, so it's advertised, I think, at 6,400 metres of gain. Yeah. And a significant proportion of that is at altitude. So above 2,500 metres 
above sea level. So, um, you know, moving is spring break. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're not quiet now. <laughs> we're at 950 metres up here. That's actually quite it impressive. Not quite I didn't really high. High. Yeah, it is yeah. pretty good. Yeah, I mean, we're pretty much up the top, so it's quite high. But, do you know, the hardest thing has been finding anywhere with elevation. Mm-hmm. And it's so funny because there's trails that are well known in the trail running community as being really hard in southeast Queensland. So um, Coastal High 50 is coming up in a few weekends' time and that trail run is quite notorious um, for, like, apple tree stairs. Mm. Everyone talks about apple tree stairs as 850 steps that pretty much take you from the bottom of the valley between the two national parks, between Lamington and Springbrook in Namanbar, all the way up to the top um, of the Springbrook Plateau and then from the top of Apple Tree you don't have about seven kilometres to the finish line and everybody freaks out about those stairs and I've been running up and down those stairs like seven or eight times in a day just to try and get wow. enough elevation for yeah. my training for CCC and it's not enough yeah. and so yeah. the biggest challenge I mean if that puts here, it right? into context yeah, it's, yeah. that's a great yeah. way to put it into perspective because not only is it not enough elevation? It's not continual. You're going up and down. You're not going to be doing that at yep. CCC. You're going to be going up and up and up and up and up. But also, you're going yeah. down because what what goes up must come down. True. And that's a lot on your legs too. Like mm. sometimes the down actually yeah. destroys your calf or quads as well. Um, yeah. 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 It's going up and down. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. It's not – it's it's going to be interesting. I mean, like my training has been for this and, and – like obviously I have a new coach and it, it, it's different to what I've done before, but um, a lot of my training has been hiking and hiking really st- long, steep hills. Um, and and that's really just because, you know, wet, some of the climbs at CCC, like you're not running, <laughs> nobody is running, mm. you know, even the pros, they don't run some of those climbs. And, um, and you know, I don't have a time-based goal. I... I'm going to go and just be so grateful for the experience and excited to be there and the finish line feel and the start line music and, you know, the people in the streets that kind of like create those like Tour de France style little, you know, like narrow pathways that you have to run through. Like I just want to enjoy every minute and, you know, it's 100Ks in the mountains. It's going to suck. (laughs) At certain points, I'm probably going to cry at one point in this (laughs) <laughs> but but you know it's such a privilege to be able to be there and um and so um yeah I've just been hiking everything I can find that's steep and long and um I've been going up to Brisbane and doing a little bit with Brownie um and uh you know just trying to do as much of that kind of stuff as I can to see if I can just get my legs ready to just spend hours and hours climbing so I'm feeling pretty confident, actually. I'm yeah, feeling good. So good. Fantastic. Yeah. Oh, I'm so excited for you. When you mention Brownie there, so you were mentioned in the previous podcast because you were an incredible crew member for her at Western States. Is she going to be coming to Europe to crew you for this? <laughs> <laughs> you know, we talked about it because she's actually going to Italy to do the World Championship. That's so, yeah. but it, the timing doesn't quite work. Oh, so just awkward, isn't um, it? <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. So the t- so like the timing for her race, it's, I think it's like three weeks after CCC, which would like just be, you know, it would be difficult for them. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so, so she's not coming to Korea this time, but I have, I did like confess 
to her. <laughs> just uh, just actually after her podcast um, about Western States that I had actually put Western States on my list after crewing her, which I knew she would not be impressed by. <laughs> and I don't know why I've done that because I saw firsthand yeah. what happened that day. <laughs> yeah, that's super interesting. Yeah, okay. Because we did have that um, discussion as well of whether you'd like have that FOMO or just be like, no thanks. So there you go. You obviously. Do you know it's funny because I've I've really flip flopped. I've never run a hundred miles, and I've really flip flopped about it around about it for a few years now. Ever since the hundred mile race became the new hundred k race, you know, like it's the thing that people do now. And I kind of had thought about doing Tarawera hundred miles before COVID, and then it, COVID kind of made the decision for me, which I was quite happy about actually. <laughs> Um, and I just, yeah, I just have never really been certain if I've wanted to go that far. Like, it's not all about how far you can go. Um, you know, actually running 50K is really enjoyable and you can finish in a reasonable time and have, you know, a beer and relax and go to bed at a reasonable hour. Mm-hmm. You know, you're not there all night. Um, so, so I debated about it, but then, you know... Western States was just an, an unreal experience. I'm so incredibly grateful that, well, the first of all, that Granny put the work in to get into the race, <laughs> but also that that she um, that she you know welcomed Chris and I into her crew team and, and and that we were able to experience it with her because it was so. I mean, quite a few people have asked me if it lives up to the hype. Um, since we've been back and I've sort of said oh it exceeds the hype it's just such an incredible it was an incredible experience like it was nice to be there and not be like nervous (laughs) you know on the start line wondering if I could do this like it's so so now I kind of feel like I've been there and I've seen bits of the course and I kind of know a little bit more about what to expect even though I haven't actually run or even hiked any of the course um I kind of know you know that it's not just a net downhill fun run (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> super runnable <laughs> yeah no, it's yeah it's not <laughs> so i now kind of know through experiencing it through brownie that yeah what to expect and i think yeah it's definitely on my list now but yeah that's a race actually i had a very funny conversation with my coach because <laughs> i was sort of saying oh, i i didn't want to do ccc and then suddenly just have nothing having had five years of working towards this goal mm. And we had a chat about Western States and um, about how we plan then for Western States. And um, and he said to me, oh, well, you know, we can you can have a look at these races. And then if you get into Western States, obviously you don't need to do that race next year. And I was like, I'll be very surprised if I get into Western States next year. But then, <laughs> you know, I got into CCC. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think, yeah. I think we'll wait to see a... how that plays out. Yeah. That's an interesting one. Well, you've got so much of this. Like I hear about, you know, I hear your passion behind some of these races and stuff too. But like what you mentioned, like 100 miles is a long way to go. 100K is a long way to go. 50K is a long way to go. So why yeah. running? Like why do you keep – what keeps you coming back out there? Because it's not just about that 100K or 100 mile it's all of the lead up to it and all of those runs and just putting in the bricks and stuff. So why do you run every day? Yeah. Do you know, it's funny because I think if you asked me this question a year or so ago, it would be a very different answer. Um, I, I run for my health and for fitness um, because I want to live to a, a 
good old age and be healthy. You know, I want to not, I don't want to die because I haven't taken care of myself. I want to, to be healthy into old age. Um, I'd say that is probably the number one reason why I run. Um, I also love the feeling of that post run when you've had a really great run, you know, like there's a point where once you start running, it's hard and it hurts and it's not very fun. And then it starts to feel easier and more bearable and then it actually becomes enjoyable. And every now and again, you can go out for a run and it just is like euphoria. And that feeling is just like nothing else. You know, you don't need drugs or alcohol or anything. Just that feeling of like going out and running and just feeling great is so good. So that's another reason why I run. But I, I lost my love for running when I was really struggling with fatigue. So probably around the time of UTA and after UTA last year. Um, and running became a real chore. And I think a lot of it was because it can be really easily overcomplicated. And I think you can very easily get sucked into things that other people are doing. And, um, and, and also just making sure you have a really good fit with if you're being coached with your coach or if you're following a generic training program that you that it's working for you and not you're not just doing it because you think you should be i feel like i kind of fell into a bit of a trap where i was running sessions that i wasn't really enjoying and i was doing it because i felt like that was what i was supposed to be doing and it really killed the love of running for me to the point where i just didn't want to do it anymore and then i had a break and i focused on my health and i and, and trying to get myself sorted and I really dialed back running just to doing what I enjoyed which is just going out for a plod you know on a trail with a pack and just sort of wandering around and walking when I feel like it which is really why I love trail running because there's no yes, you know that's a great description of my no, experience of trail running too. I love the verb plod <laughs> with a pack the pack is important too that's yeah. all part of it the, the plod with the pack yeah you have to have a pack yeah <laughs> I mean I, I now know I have to have a pack because I get attacked by things on the trail Indeed. all the time True. do you want to tell us briefly so, about that please yeah sure so I mean um, I think part of it is because well actually it's entirely because we moved to Springbrook and so now our local trails are not Mount Cutha fire trails <laughs> but they're actually like full-on rainforest Gondwana land you know wildlife everywhere kind of trails and so our local trail is the Worry Circuit which um, is a 13 kilometer very technical trail that has a lot of creek crossings and waterfalls. It's beautiful, but it's very technical gnarly. and rain, rain, very gnarly. Yep. And um, and I was running, um, I was actually running around Purlingbrook and kind of some of the Great Walk, the, the Gold Coast Interland Great Walk, um, just as part of my one of my training runs one day. And um, it was just like the the weather had been awful. And we get a lot of leeches up here because it's a rainforest and, you know, I don't really mind leeches at all, but it, yeah, they're not, they're just annoying. Like, yeah. When they bite you, it just itches forever. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I was, I was running up this really technical section and um, it was quite steep and I had stopped to pull a leech off my leg and I noticed that the ground was just moving with leeches. So I just kind of was like, oh my gosh, <laughs> I'm just going to move and forget and just keep going. And I, and I just like stormed my way up the hill. And in the process, I must have stepped on a snake <laughs> and it bit me and I didn't notice. And I got home and had a shower and, you know, sort of changed and looked at my 
leg kind of just above my ankle on my right leg and had quite a quite clear fang mark you know puncture wounds two puncture wounds except that's like, not that's what you thought at the time that it was a clear fang no it's though. not right no right. it's not I thought. And, and chris has a version you? of this story that he thinks is hilarious to tell people too um but i actually just thought i'd been bitten by leeches because i had seen so many leeches and so i kind of dismissed it and was like yeah yeah it'll it's just a leech bite and then it went purple like deep crimson purple and i was like oh that's not normal um hmm, maybe it's a bit infected so i just drew a line around it just you know kind of like the rule of infection is that if the if you draw a line around some an infected area and it goes outside the line then you should take antibiotics and probably see a medical professional so i drew the line around it and chris was just not impressed by my behavior so made me see the doctor and the doctor was like I think this is actually a snake bite. This is not a leech bite. And I just, I was just like, come on. If I'd been bitten by a snake, I would, I, I would know, surely. I would well, have noticed. Think, right? Yeah. I mean, like, I'm not that, like, I'm not that stupid. I mean, honestly, like, I was, <laughs> like, I was like, like, I would have noticed if I'd, if I'd been bitten by a snake. And I put something up on Instagram about it. And then a friend of mine who happens to be a snake ecologist <laughs> was like, yeah, that's actually this type of snake. Oh, and, <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> yeah, because you could tell just from the distance apart. And, 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 oh. and also because we'd seen a lot of, dif- we'd seen two different types of snakes up here, um, like quite active at that time. And when he asked me, you know, whether I'd seen any snakes around over the last few weeks, and I said it, I'd seen these different snakes, he'd said, oh, yeah, it's, that's definitely that one. <laughs> so, like, fortunately, oh, not such a highly, highly venomous snake. <laughs> that we have plenty of here. <laughs> Given that you are yeah, still alive. I mean, I'm still alive. I mean, it was a venomous snake, but it was a dry bite, and the venom oh, probably wouldn't have killed me, but would have made me sick if it had been a venomous bite. Was the thing with snakes is that... A golden crown snake. Okay. Yeah. No, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, we hadn't heard of them until we moved up here, to be honest. Okay. Either. Um, um, but it was, it's more that like, I'm not afraid of snakes. I really, I like snakes. I think they're cool. And um, they have a really important place in our ecosystem and I respect them. But we also really need to respect snakes. And I mm. was more upset with the fact that I'd trodden on the point snake than anything else but it was just i mean it was really um sobering because like like if it had been a venomous bite and i had and and quite a few people after that had said to me actually you know that on first aid courses that they had done or they had known somebody who hadn't noticed or it just feels like a stick just hitting your leg which when you're trail running happens all the time like i get i I get hit i come home with scratches and and you know bleeding and i don't even know what happened so i call stick bites so yeah yeah. (laughs) exactly yeah and it was probably just because i was just like just trying to get out of the leech infested section that i was on it was probably just something that hit, like I felt something hit me but didn't even think twice about it because I was on a really gnarly trail so it was kind of like I didn't have any phone reception I always carry my first aid kit my snake bandage and um because of my profession I have up-to-date first aid training and so I know would know what to do but I wouldn't have had any way of calling for help 
and that was a kind of a we actually have a, a garmin in reach which i'm too tight to pay the subscription for <laughs> so lessons learned <laughs> that probably <laughs> should carry that when i'm going running on my own yeah mm. so yeah, so that was kind of the lesson. And then a few weeks later, I actually got <laughs> spider. So, um, and the spider bite was just a normal spider bite. Like, that, I get bitten by spiders a lot because, I mean, even before we lived in Springbrook, just because we used to go camping a lot or I used to do a lot of field work in the bush for my job. And spider bites, you know, they happen all the time and most people probably never even notice that they've been bitten by a, a small spider but it got infected and um, got my hand was just like a bo- boxing glove. It was just disgusting, actually. Like following along <laughs> with this saga on Instagram, when you got, like I followed along with the snake bite, I'm like, this is just unreal. And it is kind of sobering as well because how many stick bites do you yeah, get? Indeed. Thinking, oh, good thing it wasn't a snake, but the fact that you actually did get a snake bite. And then you posted about the spider thing. I'm like, surely this is not true. <laughs> But then, since bad luck comes in threes. <laughs> yeah, I know. I was waiting for the third thing. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's just one of those things where it just makes you realize. Like, I, I remember when I first moved to Australia, somebody told me the story about, like, their uncle's friend or something who who had cut himself in the garden gardening and then had died of septicemia <laughs> because the bacteria in the soil in Australia is, like, crazy <laughs> like like it's completely different to like the uk or the us like you know there's there's a lot more bacteria and organisms and things in the soils here um because they're so much older i mean the continent's like the, one of the oldest you know like like in terms of evolution it's like one of the oldest continents so um there's just so much like Danger. stuff in the soil <laughs> yeah so i mean it's australia everything is gonna kill you <laughs> that's right <laughs> We're tying it back into the uh, the whole why of like we love nature. <laughs> I just I think actually I, I like to put it into the perspective of it just reminds us that we're not at the top of the food chain all the time. Like yeah. you know, like I'm a human and I'm therefore superior to everything else on the planet, except it can kill you in a second. It so. can bite back. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Oh, I'm so conscious of time and that we could speak forever. So there are a few I know, things Sarah's that I want to like cover. So I know. Many notes. There- I'm like, oh my gosh, we could literally <laughs> sit here for probably another three hours. This is amazing. <laughs> there, there are a few things I want to cover. One, I realized, and this is going off on a total tangent, but I missed out a question from our quick fire that we always ask. And it's something I really like and I completely forgot to put it in. So Kristen, I think you're going to know what I'm talking about. Do you want to lead that, the compliment question? Yeah. So, um, you might have listened to Luke when we had on, um, he's a sports psychologist. And so we talked a lot about gratitude being very internal. You know, we want to practice a little bit of that external as well. And it feels like from the couple of years that you were kind of doubting yourself that this might be a little bit of a challenge. But Gemma, give yourself a compliment. Oh God, I'm so bad at doing this. Mm, I'm, I'm that's what I thought. Hang on, so horrible. Yeah, I was actually surprised. And then you <laughs> didn't, mistake, yeah, yeah, you didn't like tee it up or anything. So I'm like, oh, okay, maybe we're just moving on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I am horrible to myself all the time. So that's it's hard. Um, it's probably something I need to do better at. <laughs> um, a compliment would be you're a nice person to be around. 
Absolutely. I love that. That's a a really (laughs) good one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that. And I love that you didn't preface it with like, oh, something bad and then coming around with the good. Like, it's perfect. Yeah. You are. And you know what? This leads into something that Brownie said in her message to me about you when I was getting research. To quote Brownie, she described you as one of the most kind, supportive, caring people you will ever meet who will leave this earth in a better place. So, it might be cry. If you're ever struggling for a compliment, I'm going to send you that little, those words and you can refer back to those because that sounds pretty awesome to me. Yeah. And I also didn't call you out. We'll go all the way back to just while we're having a little compliment party. (laughs) You mentioned how you're just going to be so grateful to be on the CCC course and everything else, but you should feel grateful, but you should also feel like you deserve to be there as well. Like you've put in a lot yes. of hard work and things. Like it's very obvious. You've put in so much hard work. So don't just be grateful for it. Grateful is a wonderful feeling, but also own it. Like you are be meant proud. to be on that start line. Yeah. 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 Thank are. you. Thank you. That's, that is actually something I have struggled with a little bit because, um, you know, there's a, there's quite a few people I know from Australia who are going and they're people who, you know, quite often, will podium or will come near the top of their their age group and and I do kind of feel like the underdog <laughs> going over there um but I have earned this yeah I've worked incredibly hard for this and I'm so excited that it's come to fruition I think if if it proves anything to anybody like something is that if you work hard enough you can have whatever we, whatever you want in life my dad always told me that and it's so true just because I'm not an amazing podium getting runner doesn't mean that I can't get to CCC. So if people out there have got a, a goal, even if it's something that's not as crazy as going to Chamonix, but it's a, it's a goal like, you know, being able to, to run a, a really hard 50K or, or to run a marathon or something like that, then just if you put the work in, you can do it. It doesn't matter who you are. You don't have to be the world's greatest runner sponsored or, you know, whatever. You can just just do the work and you can have it. I love that and believe in yourself, hey? And, you know, there is, to me, there is a little bit of irony here because you didn't just enter this race and pay the fee. You had to qualify. Like, you're a scientist, right? There's some logic in here. You had to qualify, which immediately says, hey, we have some terms and conditions and you have met them (laughs) and you may run with us, all right? (laughs) So even on the most basic level, you made it in, okay? Next thing, totally changing gear. Another thing that Brownie shared with me, and we just have to find out what this means. Gemma is the happiest hot dog with a hot dog emoji. (laughs) She has a hot dog suit she's worn in a few events. (laughs) Please elaborate. Like there's a lot of really great questions (laughs) that Sarah has included in on this, you know, pre-interview notes. But the hot dog. Like we need need to know about the hot dog suit. (laughs) (laughs) So Brownie and I seem to like... There's like always seems to be like secret photographers around <laughs> Brownie and I when we're together and they snap these hilarious photos of us. And so, yeah, I have a hot dog costume that's actually a kid's, because <laughs> I'm so small, <laughs> it's a kid's hot dog costume from Spotlight. And I've I had it for a few that. years. And um, I always used to... Um, this year's the first year I haven't actually, and it was just because we were we were in America. But um, always would go to the Mountain Goat Trail Series race, um, the high tail race, dressed as a hot dog. So I was the high tail hot dog, <laughs> and I would volunteer. 
So I love volunteering at races. It's one thing I just love doing because I think races, events give me so much and I just like giving them back. Um, so I, and I kind of like to just get dressed up and do something funny because, you know, people always remember the thing, you know, that, that like the weird, like death at guy at Blackhall or, you know, mm. like the, the, the fairies and stuff like that. So I thought the Hightail hot dog. Anyway, there's a photo. <laughs> there's a photo of, of Brownie from one year when she was um, the ambassador for that race and she was she was um, also running it. And there's a photo of her hugging another friend of ours. And in the background <laughs> of this photo, you can just see me creeping around. Brownie dressed as a hot dog with this really like, like, I mean, actually, it's one of those faces that you can never put on camera. It's like genuine love for somebody because I do genuinely love Granny. She's one of my closest friends, and um, and yeah, like it, it's this really funny photo because they're just like a hot dog. <laughs> this nice. <laughs> Of this really nice picture of of Brownie and Liv like embracing at the start of the event, like you know, saying hi to each other, and then like the creepy hot dog <laughs> smiling <laughs> in the background. That <laughs> and that photo really just seems to pop up everywhere. <laughs> it's one of those that's just like, oh, yep, there's the creepy hot dog. Again. <laughs> that's amazing. I love that. <laughs> Yeah, keep keep your eye out for the hot dog. Yeah, it'll have to make a special appearance at a different event, maybe. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, just keep an eye out. You never know where it's going to pop up. <laughs> I love that. I just love the range of like serious training, working super hard, big races, and then also dressing as a hot dog and volunteering. It's just like the perfect trail running combination. I absolutely love it. So good. <laughs> uh, never, never take yourself too seriously. No, I, I try not to. Oh, that would be a good, another good thing for the billboard as well. Good one. Okay, like as Kristen says, we have so many different ways we could go, but I will be another like we're gonna have we, to get you back to get on. You back on. There's too many things <laughs> that we have to get you back on. Like, for. This is way too much in here. <laughs> is there anything though before we do wrap up with our final very important question? Um, is there anything that you would like to add at the moment? Oh, not really. I mean, yeah, I mean we could probably talk for hours, but um i think it's yeah it's been really nice chatting it's been good cool <laughs> and i'd love to do another one oh, we'll <laughs> maybe, on. maybe i can give you a debrief that's <laughs> it CCC. CCC. yes in person as well we'll definitely have to do it in person <laughs> yes yeah so, i'll have a bit more time indeed before we do completely finish we do have this one last question that we ask our guests <laughs> you're nodding so yeah. I mean, we're at episode, what, 31? Do I have to tell the story or can yeah, we just assume we have on. some listeners now? Yeah, go on. It's good with the little, little <laughs> okay. intro into it. <laughs> so I used to help coach um, little girls mountain biking at our local trails at Sugar Bag Road. And these girls, they just couldn't make it through the hour session without needing to go to the toilet. And their request would be, can we go for a wild wee? So, Gemma. Please tell us about your wildest wee. Do you know, I, I wild wee almost every day because I'm just one of those people. <laughs> when, I, when I gotta go, I gotta go. <laughs> and I cannot, I cannot get through a run without needing wee. So I have weed everywhere, really. But um, I think the, the, the most wild wee I've ever had would have been 
a number of years ago, I was doing this big trip through Southern Africa and we were about to cross from one province in Mozambique to the northern province in Mozambique, which is still kind of under guerrilla warfare. And we were waiting for this escort. Um, I think it, we thought it was just a police escort, but it turned out to be like a military escort. It was really full on. And there was a toilet, a toilet block next to this bridge, which is where the, the, the there was a river and a bridge where the, the, the border was between these two provinces. And the toilet block was just the most disgusting thing you've ever seen. I've never seen anything like it in my life. It's the most disgusting thing I've ever seen. So I ended up just peeing on the bridge. <laughs> just, just because I couldn't bear to go anywhere near the toilet. And it just happened to be just as this military escort came flying across the bridge with like machine guns in the air and I'm kind of like you know pants down like sweating going oh <laughs> I better, better move. Oh, um, yeah, I'd say that's probably the wildest wee. Wow. wow. That was pretty That is the pretty first silly. machine gun related wild wee wee. Ah, <laughs> it makes you wee much faster. <laughs> yeah, I'm thinking yeah, like if, if it's caught midway, do you stop or does it just help? Oh, no. Wow. wow. Do you know, yeah. sometimes you can't stop midway. Right? You know, that's what I was like. Yeah, I think if you're at the po- if that point in your life, you just have to you just have to keep going. Yeah. Like they already saw you. <laughs> oh my gosh! Wow. And I love that the wildest we question always opens up like an entirely different conversation that we didn't even touch on. Again, we'll get, have to get you back on. <laughs> That's exactly what I was thinking. It was like, oh great, another huge adventure exactly. that we haven't even touched on. <laughs> We will definitely have to get you back. In the meantime, if anyone would like to find you online and follow your journey, where is best to look you up? Uh, Instagram is definitely the best best place. I mean, like it's quite boring. I mean, I mostly post about running food and and dogs. Although at the moment we are dogless, but we hopefully won't be for too long. Um, so my Instagram handle is Little Goat Gem, and that's J E M. Little goat gem on Instagram. Awesome. And we'll be able to track you at CCC as well and cheer you on for sure. Oh, it's been so good to talk to you. We really could talk forever. Thank you so much for sharing all that you have. And like, seriously, all the best for the most phenomenal experience at CCC. We will be cheering. That'll be so good. We'll watch the little dot move around. (laughs) Yeah, thank you so much. It's been so much fun talking and I can't wait to, to... talk again about how it all went it's gonna be so exciting awesome so good thank you you. talk to you later bye thanks for listening to another episode of into the wee hours podcast to get in touch you can find us on instagram at into the wee hours podcast or email us at into the wee hours podcast at gmail.com on instagram sarah is all the gear nay idea and that is N-A-E for all you non-Scots people. And Kristen is at Kristen Vaughton. To read the show notes or to listen on the website, you can visit intothewehours.com forward slash podcast. And to help support this podcast, you can also head over to our Patreon page, which is patreon.com forward slash podcast. Happy adventuring and we will talk to you next time.